Hi, this is Andrew Levy, and here is another one of our podcasts, and I've chosen to call this one A Matter of Fact, and it's going to deal with evidence in hearings. Now, the number of times I have seen good cases lost because of bad handling of evidence, of misunderstanding what evidence is, and more importantly, how to present it, well, the cases are legion. And of course, that's the equivalent of an own goal. So the more you give thought to what evidence is, and you look at the sequential chain, which leads from the gathering of evidence to the successful outcome of your matter, uh, you'll see there is a chain of logic there which can be followed. And if you follow it, it becomes very, very powerful. Now, the subject is so wide and so fascinating that we could probably spend two or three podcasts discussing it. And maybe we'll do that. I just want to deal with broad principles right now. So let's begin with the question, what is evidence? And what is the difference between evidence and proof? Well, the answer, and if you think about it, I'm sure you'll agree, is that evidence is nothing other than information. That's all it is. It can come via the spoken word. It could be the recorded word on a camera. It could be a document. It could be an object. It could be a knife that was used in an assault. But it is information. And what is the difference between evidence and proof? Well, evidence, i.e. information, becomes proof when the person who presides over the hearing, who has to make the decision, says, ah, on that information, I come to the conclusion that this is fact. This is what took place. So evidence or information becomes proof when the presiding officer says, based on that, I can make a finding because I am convinced. So you can see how important it is to gather your evidence and to present your evidence. Otherwise, it's just information. And if it's irrelevant, then it's actually going to detract from your case. Now, the chain of evidence begins with uh, investigating and collecting, and uh, I'm not going to deal with any of those things today. But what I want to do is I want to just look a little bit at uh, what I see as the inexorable link between the charge, the evidence, and the finding. And those three join together. And if you can make sure that the connections are there, the current will flow, the light will go on. If you miss the connection, nothing is going to happen, and all the energy will be wasted. Now, the first thing is just talking about charges. Please, please, please stay away from legalisms and put the charges in simple, plain language which explain what the employee has done. I have a simple formula for charging, and that simply says, state what it is, it's misconduct. State which of the common law obligations of the employee are breached, and then describe what has been done. 
So if I were to be looking at a case, for example, of unauthorized possession, I would be charging misconduct, unauthorized possession in breach of the common law duty of good faith or to follow procedures in that on such and such a date you were found in possession of whatever it was um, without the appropriate documentation to support it. Now, two things arise out of this. The first thing is the employee knows exactly what he has to disprove. In other words, what information he or she has to bring to show that this is not true. So the chances of slipping between your charge and the evidence, if you do that, is is very, very slim. But the second thing is it tells you precisely what information you need. If you're saying that you were found in possession of goods, of an article, without the proper procedure, you know what you've got to do. You've got to show evidence that there is a procedure. Here it is. You've got to have evidence that says this employee was found in possession of it under these circumstances. Here are people who will testify to that. You will explain what documentation is necessary. Uh, You will show that the documentation wasn't available. You'll point to the rule that was broken and you've won your case. So not only does it tell the employee what they need to do to defend, but it tells you what you need to produce to win. Very, very important. Okay, now, the next thing that I want you to do when you look at this chain of evidence is to focus your mind. And this brings a technique which I call conceptualizing your case. How do you conceptualize your case? Well, you do it by asking two simple questions and answering them honestly. And the first question is, what do I have to show in order to win this case? And the second question is, what evidence do I have to persuade the presiding officer that what I say is true? So what do I have to show and what evidence do I have to confirm this? Now, we all know, and we've all said a dozen times, I know she's stealing, but I can't prove it. Well, if you were to use what I have suggested as a methodology, what do I have to show that so-and-so is a thief? What evidence do I have? None. Have I got a case? No. If I move down this road, I'm looking failure in the eye. So it really is almost infallible. It will focus your mind on what you've got to show. That tells you what information you need. And you then say, well, have I got what I need? And if you're scrupulously honest with yourself, um, you'll be able to scrub cases that are non-starters or at least go back and try and collect more evidence. So I think those are some useful tips and pointers to begin with. I will just say one other thing. Always remember, despite what the uh, shop steward or the union may argue or Sadly, the CCMA Commissioner, the burden of proof on an employer in a disciplinary hearing in employment is not the same as in a criminal case. In a criminal case, as you all know, it's beyond reasonable doubt. That's a pretty stiff test. In a domestic hearing and in civil litigation, it is on balance of probability. 
In other words, if you look at the words, what do they mean? It simply says that you've got to look at both sets of lies and decide which one is more likely to be the truth. Now, that may be a cynical statement, but it does put in context the balance of probability. So I promise you, if you follow some of these suggestions, not only have you got a better chance of presenting your case well, and it then follows that you've got a much better chance of winning, but equally importantly, you will recognize which cases uh, are not going to fly and you will avoid that particular trap. So there you are. I hope you found it useful. Uh, Please look at all of the other podcasts on our website, www.andrewlevy.co.za and hopefully you'll find a wealth of practical information uh, and maybe one or two of them uh, will ring a bell and will help you. So until next time, thank you very much. And remember, we're always here to help you. So uh, if you do have a labor problem, drop me an email, andrew at andrewlevy.co.za or even give me a call. Uh, And that's South Africa, of course, 083-650-5001. And I'll be happy to help you. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.